Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to episode 95 of Cowboys Rifle for Free, the podcast. My name is Joel Penfield, and as always, I'm joined by Philip Slavin. How are you doing? Doing well, sir. How are you today? Doing well. Classes started back up again. I got about 15 weeks of classes left in my academic career, and you know, just got to get through it. Graduation's right there. Light, lights at the end of the tunnel, that's for sure. Man, it's an exciting time. I remember getting out of college. It was, you know, it's funny. I, I, there are things you'll miss about college. Um, class will not be one of that them. That is for sure. Uh, I will not miss that at all. Uh, but I know at the end of the day, I got to get a job too. And that becomes now the stressful part of everything. But I know that it's important and it's uh, time to become a real adult, I guess. So we're getting to that part of life and it's pretty exciting. Got a lot coming up for me yeah. here pretty soon. So. It's awesome. All right. Well, now let's get right into the news. Uh, we've got a couple things we're going to hit on here briefly. We're going to interview uh, with Brandon Kane. He's our wrestling beat writer for Cowboys Right for Free. This came on a couple weeks ago. It's been really good content. It's been awesome. We're going to give wrestling a little bit of love on the pod here as well. But uh, Philip and I are going to talk about DeAndre Glass. He picked Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma State got their highest rated guy out of their class. And then uh, Tyron Johnson decided to go to the NFL. Not too surprising of a move, but we're going to hit on that as well. But let's. Let's hit Glass first. Philip, what's your reaction, and are you surprised? I know you were pretty skeptical for a while that he actually would pick Oklahoma State, but uh, how do you feel about it? Uh, well, I mean, look, early on, yes, and for a long time, I was I was very skeptical he would pick OSU. The way he seemed to be going, it just felt like he was looking for anybody other than OSU. But the closer we got to it, and the less you really started to hear about Texas coming on, and with Alabama really out of the picture with with their two guys in the 2019 class, the closer we got to him making the announcement, the the more and more it seemed like OSU was going to be the team he picked. And lo and behold, they are. Uh, it's it is a it is a big win for the program, both on the field uh, and off the field. Uh, we talk about on the field first, just because you have Justice Hill who has left early for the NFL. You've got JD King. Um, who was at this point the third string because of Chuba, but the second string last year, um, who is transferring to uh, to Georgia Southern. And what once was a a strength of the program with an abundance of talent at running back suddenly felt uh, less so. Um, Chuba obviously is an RB1 right there. But behind him, LD Brown is a, is a nice back. I think he's a nice piece. I don't think they utilize him as much as they should. I do think there's more should be more opportunity for him, especially at pass catching. But I, I don't feel like he is a strong two punch to Chuba's one. Um, and then you had Jamil Jeter, who we haven't really seen anything from. And then you had Ryan Haymaker, who who played in some games. Um, and I, and, but I, it's, there's no reason to believe Haymaker is a guy who's going to really challenge for for yeah, a two one or two not. spot. So. They got two guys coming in. You you get Desmond Jackson out of the JUCO. I think he's going to actually contribute. I do think he's going to be a piece. I don't think they just brought him in as security or depth. I think they're going to use him. But getting Desmond Glass. No. DeAndre Glass. Thank you. Getting DeAndre Glass is huge on the field because I think 
by the end of the season, maybe not day one, but by the end of the 2019 season, he is at least your your number two back. Oh yeah, he is going to be an immediate impact guy. I know if you listen to tape, doesn't lie. They talk about guys that are immediate impact, early impact, or uh, developmental, and he is a guy that's going to be on the field from day one. He's not going to start. Chuba Hubbard has that spot locked up. But he's a guy that's going to make an early, a very, very quick impact on this team. I think he's going to be a great supplement to what Chuba brings with the speed. And Glass on film looks like a guy that kind of has the speed and power combination that I think re- they really like is between the tackles runner. He's going to be really good. And I know he said he has the aspirations of winning a Heisman as a freshman. And I love that confidence. Uh, it's probably not going to happen. But if he has that kind of confidence coming in, if he can back it up with the ability and skill we know he has on the field, that running game is going to look really, really nice next year to complement a deep receiving core. And this offense could be really, really good in 2019. I will say this. If Gundy is smart, knowing that the kid says he wants to win a Heisman in his freshman year, and I realize a lot of kids say that, but if Gundy is smart, you you don't give Chuba the load you've given Justice Hill the last two years. With a guy as talented as Glass, and if he is what we think he is, you need to give him more carries and more play than you normally give your number two guy. I think they need to be more of a one-two punch than just a, a one punch with a nice number two. I think they need to be share the load more than Gundy is used to usually does with his two backs. I think it would be better a uh, because it's going to make he's going to keep Glass on the field more often. It's going to keep him more interested in being there. And B, it may help you keep Chuba longer. Because technically, after this next season, it would be Chuba's third season out of high school. He could declare for the draft. Now, I'm not saying he is. I haven't heard any rumors or anything like that. I'm just saying that possibility is there. So maybe cutting back on his carries some and, and giving a little bit more to Glass, who's going to come in as a true freshman and, and probably be ready to go, I, I think might be smart on Gundy's part. Yeah, I think we saw a lot of the – not a lot of the offense, but we saw at times – uh, the offense use a lot of two-back sets. And I think Glass and Chuba would be the perfect time to use those, use those uh, type of formations with two-back. Gives you some options, especially with a little bit more of a running quarterback than Spencer Sanders presumed he's the starter. Or you put you put DeAndre Glass in the backfield and you can use Chuba out of the slot. And I think with his speed, he could utilize him in the passing game more than we would see uh, with Justice Hill or you know L- or J.D. King or L.D. Brown, even though I think L.D. Brown is great in the passing game as well. So I think this gives Oklahoma State a lot of versatility on offense when you have just a pure speed running back in Chuba that you can utilize a little bit in the passing game. We saw in the screen game, it works with him. And then a pure and then a pretty good power runner in DeAndre Glass, they're going to complement each other really well. And if Oklahoma State uses them right, like I've mentioned before, this offense is going to be really fun to watch, and I think it's going to be very, very good moving forward. Uh, I'm really excited for what this is going to be. So we talked a bit about on the field. I do think off the field, there is this is big. You know, we, we had a lot of issues over the summer. We talked about Mike Holder's comments about Gundy and recruiting, and and a a magnifying glass and a focus has been put on Gundy and this recruiting class. This is not a Overall, from a rating standpoint, it's not a great class. You've got three four-stars in in Glass, Anderson, and um, Boomer, and tight end. But overall, it's, it, it may have, it's not a great overall class. And a lot of emphasis has been put on, can Gundy recruit the kind of players he has to recruit, especially with as well as OU and Texas are doing, to win another Big 12 title while he's here? I think had they missed out on Glass, 
there would have been even more pressure on Gundy in regards to that 2020 class. And I think there's still a lot of pressure on him to make that 2020 class a good one. But I think this this shows that, A, that they put all that work in. They put so much work in to land this kid. And a lot of things had to break their way. Alabama had to get all the kids that they wanted or Glass would have been in Bama. But things broke their way. They worked their tail off and they got the kid. Yeah, they got him. I think this is huge, huge for Gundy. I really do. I, I And I think this, while it doesn't completely quiet the talk about the recruiting issues, it does subdue them a bit just because of the excitement to have this kid in this class. Oh, no doubt. This is going to provide a little bit of a spark. And I think when you get a guy that not only you add him late, but you make him, he becomes the highest rated guy in your class. That bodes well, at least that you still can go and get some of these four and five star guys. And he's talked about, we get the ones we think we can get. And even though his recruiting classes usually are not very, you know, highly rated compared to what the talent level in the field usually ends up being, this is a very big get for them. And I'm curious what he's going to be able to pull together for a 2020 class, you know, you know, give with a little bit of momentum on the recruiting side of things, you know, getting Langston Anderson to flip, not necessarily to flip, but to pick Oklahoma State when it wasn't necessarily predicted that he would. And then you get DeAndre Glass away from the likes of some blue blood programs that he was in on and were in on him. Uh, this is a very big, you know, momentum shifter, I think, maybe for the way Gundy is going to recruit in the future. I do think they have put more emphasis on recruiting. I think they've put more Absolutely. resources into it and more people. Um, and like anything else, that's going to take a little bit of time. I still think that you look at you know you look at the coaching changes that Lincoln Riley's done in Norman. His defensive staff is is going through some changes, and they're going young. Now they're going to talented coaches, but they're going to young guys who are aggressive and hungry and good recruiters. And that's just not what Gundy seems to want to do. Um, and that's if that's not what he wants, that's fine. I, I I wish he would go find some young, aggressive guys who may only stay for three years but can land you some studs. Right. Um, but that doesn't seem to be what he wants. He wants guys who are going to stick around for a long time. And that's fine. There's a value to having guys who stay around the program for long periods of time. Um, but they're going to have to they're going to have to show that that method is going to work. Um, and I, I think they've started well a 2020 class. Um, I, they're they're trending in the right directions for some for some really talented kids. Um, and and from the early look, the 2020 class could be a really good one. Look, it's not going to be top 10, top 15, not even top 20. But if they can get a top 30 class, I think that would be a I think that would quiet a lot of people down if he could do that Absolutely. and get five or six four stars. I think if he could do that, people would say, okay, this this might work and we're seeing things trend in the right direction. I think getting glass was the first step toward that. Now let's see what happens with the next class. Yeah. Now it's all now as you know, we're getting close to February first and the final final time for signing day. Then we start looking at twenty twenty. It's crazy how fast recruit recruiting moves, especially in football. And now moving on recruiting season never ends, recruiting man. It never season ends. never ends, absolutely. Uh, now moving on to Tyron Johnson. Uh, it took him a little bit. He waited until the final day of the uh, you know the period the period that uh, the NFL sets up for guys to go to the NFL draft, and uh, he decided to take his lumps and go to the NFL. Uh, this was a little bit of a surprise. He probably was going to be one A one B with Tylen Wallace next season, 
but you know this is a move you can't fault a guy for wanting to go and you know take his shot and get his money and i i don't fault him for it at all but it felt like maybe he left a little before he should have maybe he should have stayed till his next season because you saw the production at the back half of the season maybe he felt that that was enough but I think a full season of what we saw those last four or five games from him would have probably paid even more dividends in the NFL. I mean, at this point, and I think people get, oh, well, they don't have enough tape on him. They don't have enough tape. They've got plenty of tape. Oh, no doubt. They have enough tape on Tyron Johnson to, to, at this point, know what he can and can't do. And you could almost argue that because he ended the season so well, he had a couple of really good performances, including in the Liberty Bowl. He had a great performance in the Liberty Bowl. Um, because of those performances, he now definitely has the tape to take and show why he should be in the NFL. Um, so you could argue what happened in in that Liberty Bowl game and what happened in the game against Oklahoma has, has helped him towards his goal. Obviously, there are some people who are telling him that he's going to be drafted at a certain point or a certain round that he feels is high enough to justify going. And you know what? Again, kids want to leave early props you go right ahead um a lot of kids leave early and have no chance at getting drafted i certainly hope that's not the case i hope he's being told he's a, a third or fourth round uh prospect uh and not a you know he just he doesn't just want to go and make money um but I, I he he's there's nothing i think he could come back and do at oklahoma state outside of outshining tylen wallace that would make me feel any differently about what he is and what his talent level is. I completely agree with you. And I think he's going to be a pretty solid NFL receiver. My biggest fear is two things. One, it he becomes kind of what Josh Stewart ended up being, where he went to the, you know, went to the draft a year early and never panned out. I don't even think Josh Stewart ever ever ended up on NFL roster after getting hurt in training camp with the Tennessee Titans in thirteen. Um, that's my biggest fear for him because he's so talented that I would love to see him make an impact. Or two um, I lost my train of thought. Uh, I need to get this back for a second. He's, he's Tyreek Hill. Yes. And we all realize how absolutely underutilized he was at Oklahoma State and get mad at Mike Gundy for doing it to us a second time. Yeah, so my se- my second point with this is I am afraid that he is going to absolutely bust out on the NFL scene and uh, we're going to all wonder what the hell just happened and why didn't we see this at Oklahoma State. Maybe that second part is selfish, but man, I've been saying, I said the same thing about Blake Jarwin. I've said the same thing about Tyreek Hill and you know, we've seen it. We've seen it multiple times. So it's not like this is a an anomaly here. No, I think my biggest thing is we're going to find out just how deep this Oklahoma State receiving core actually is. You know, we talk about the depth of talent all the time, but I don't think we really know how deep it is. We we assume these guys are really good, but outside of you look back at last year, outside of Tylen Wallace, Tyron Johnson. Uh, Dylan Stoner and Wolf, when Stoner, especially once Stoner went down, McCleskey was the only other one who got catches. And after he was gone after three games, you know they never really filled his role with anybody else. Mm-hmm. The next closest, highest receiver was was Brandon Johnson. Wait, that's not right. Hold on. I think it was. No, that's not his name. Braden Johnson. Thank you. The next closest guy was was Braden Johnson, and he had like two catches for seven yards. We can talk about depth of talent all we want, but the truth is we don't have depth of production. We're going to have to see who is going to step up. So this this whole point of there being all this depth of talent, there's 
there's the prospect of all these guys being good. And I think there's plenty of guys on the roster that are oh, good. Um, the question is going to be who is going to take this opportunity and step up? Is it going to be Braden Johnson? Is it going to be Trayson Wallace, who's coming off of a season-ending injury? Um, is it going to be C.J. Moore? Are we going to see him uh, take a big step? There was Patrick McCoffin, or McCoffman, who people were talking about a lot um, before the 2018 season, who got hurt, so we didn't get to see him. Is he the guy who's going to take that next step? Uh, could even um, – there's so many guys who's – Jonathan Shepard. Um, like there's so many wide receivers on the roster – Who's going to step up and be that guy? Because your top three are still going to be Tylen, uh, Dylan, and Logan. And you're still going to get passes to the running backs. And I think they're going to utilize the Cowboy back even more than they have been because you have talent there. Um, but the question is, there's got to be that fourth wide receiver. There has to be. And really, you want five. Who are those two other guys going to be next season? Yeah, That's what I'm really, really excited to see. I think McCoffman might be one of them. I'm really curious who the other one is going to be. Yeah, I, I was really high on Patrick McCoffman at the beginning of the season when we were doing our you know previews before the year started. And when he went down, I was bummed because that guy is 6'6", about 225, 230. He's just a matchup nightmare on the outside. He, and, you know, you put him in the red zone with him and Jelani Woods, just throw the ball up and, yeah, you pretty much got a touchdown. Like, <laughs> those two in the goal line would just be stupid. Yeah, the, look, the wide receiver roster is young. Oh, yeah. It is really young. The only guys who are going to be seniors are guys who aren't going to see the field. Uh, Tage Williams and uh, Eldon Coleman, like they're, unless they're playing special teams. So there's a lot of youth on this team. There's a lot of redshirt sophomores, redshirt junior, uh, redshirt freshmen, freshmen. They're going to be young guys. I'm just, I, I'm actually kind of excited to see who steps up because it's always fun to see who the next crop of of OSU wide receivers to to really impress us are going to be. Someone on this roster is going to be really good. I I can't wait to see who it is. Yeah, but I think it might even be Langston Anderson as well. I think he might take that same kind of route that Tyron Johnson did, just being that speedy, just sheer athletic receiver that can make you miss in a phone booth with his ability to jump and run. I think he can fill that role as well. So I think this almost paves the way for him to there, I don't think he redshirts now. I think I think we will see Langston Anderson on the field here as well. So there's a lot that we're going to see, and a lot of different route combinations, and a lot of guys we'll probably see very early on for sure. At least against McNeese State, they're probably going to let you know some of these freshmen just run and see what happens because that's a game that Oklahoma State should win in theory. With with the guys who've been on the roster for a while, it would be really impressive if Langston Anderson pushed himself up and deserved playing time over guys we've been talking about for two years who we're excited to see it would if Langston Anderson forces himself to have more than four games of playing time he's going to be really really talented though. oh yeah I'm excited to see what they get out of him but man like even though Tyron Johnson leaves and that that does kind of suck because I loved watching him play at Oklahoma State he gave us some really you know he showed some flashes of just absolute brilliance here but the crop of young talent that Oklahoma State has and can still throw out their receiver is nothing that leaves me going with any sort of question marks into next season. It's all about just, you know, if they pan out great, if not, then it's next man up and there's still some talented receivers right below that. So it's not like there, there's going to be any sort of drop off, I don't think. Yeah, it'll be fun to watch. Absolutely. All right. So now uh, we've been going for about 10 minutes longer than we actually anticipated here, but we're going to go into an interview now with Brandon Kane 
uh, who's going to talk a little bit of wrestling a lot more intelligently than I ever could. I enjoy going to the wrestling duels, but I don't know Jack, you know what, about wrestling for the most part. So to have someone that can talk about it intelligently is uh, very cool, and we're glad to have him on. So here we go. Okay, so Philip and I did have an interview with Brandon Kane set up for tonight, or at least I did. Uh, but the recent events that occurred on Wednesday have forced Philip and I to move that interview back. And now Philip is here joining me to talk about the fact that Michael Weathers, Contravious Jones, and Maurice Kalou uh, were kicked off the basketball team earlier today uh, by Mike Boynton for an incident that happened back on New Year's Day. Uh, we're not going to go too much into the incident. You can read about it on Tulsa World, Oklahoma, and wherever. Um, we just more want to talk about the implications of this. Well, I wrote a bit about this for the site, besides uh, what kind of the impact for the team moving forward. And I think at this point, that's what matters the most. Um, we already knew this was going to be a, a tough year. Now it's even more so. You have when you have nine players left on the roster, eight on scholarship, um, and that's including Reeves who's on a one-year scholarship because they had an extra one to give this year. Uh, so technically you have seven recruited scholarship players and, and, and two, one f- and basically two walk-ons. It, what was already going to be a rough year is now going to be so much more so um, because there's no depth. There's nothing. Um, you're going to deal with issues of how do you handle when, when, when your and a gets into foul trouble, like he does most games. Um, how are you going to handle likely who's still a freshman dealing with the pressure of playing even more minutes and being even more responsible for the offense? Um, how do you handle the fact that now Lindy Waters will never leave the court again for the yeah, rest of the season? Yeah. I, I don't think he mit- I mean, he's your only other, he's your only other ball handler. And, and, and I'll say this, he finally has started to look better in that role as a facilitator, as a backup ball handler. And that could not come at a better time. And props to to Mike Boynton for, for continuing to put that role on him because it's about to pay off um, massively for this team because otherwise you'd have nobody. You'd have no one behind likely to, to, to facilitate the offense at all. Over under 10 minutes that Wendy Waters does not play the rest of the season. Total. Like total? 10 um, minutes. Under... Well, because who's your yeah, other guy? There's no they, the only other guy they're really going to bring off the bench provides any sort of guard. Somewhat is Luke Major um, or Curtis I Jones. Can, I don't think Curtis you're going to handle the ball a little bit, but he's the yeah, and you're going to he's going to have to. I think the the two the two players that are going to be most affected by this, and actually the three, um, mm-hmm. your and A, who is going to have to. They're really going to have to work with him to focus less on getting the blocks and more on just playing. Right. Solid defense. Because uh, if he continues to try and get blocks, he's going to get in foul trouble more often, and they're going to be in real trouble. Um, Waters is going to have to really step up as a sec- as the second ball handler and play a lot of minutes. He's already a starter. Um, he's not going to get to see the bench all that much. And they're really going to need Curtis Jones to step up and be far more than he has been. And look, he's been pretty good. He had an off game. Um, and he's he's been pretty impressive. They're going to need a lot out of him. They're really going to need to him to step up and be a leader for this team. Um, I, be the ball handler for a couple minutes a game. If he could give 
likely in Waters, a few minutes on the bench. Because, I mean, he's going to have to. Um, that yeah. would be huge. If he could somehow be the ball handler and facilitate the offense for at least a few minutes each game. But this is going to be a team that I fear is going to be in games and, and lose a lot of games late because they're going to get tired. And the later this season goes, because playing in the Big 12 is a grueling experience. Uh, I mean, do they win another game this season? And I, it's, I, I don't mean that mean or bad. Do they win another game? Better question is the one I asked you off air. What's more likely? Or, or, or what happens more of? They get wins the rest of the year, or they finish more games with fewer than five people now on the court not, see, due to say, foul trouble. We say that joking for the most part, but I don't. I, but I, I'm kind of serious. See it out of the realm of possibility at all, especially with your your many, is going to get in foul trouble a lot. Still, he's a freshman. It's going to happen. Isaac Light is going to reach too much. Duncan Demuth had three fouls in like three in four minutes on the court uh, the other night against Baylor. You know, there there are going to be stupid fouls. that are going to happen. There are going to be refs that are going to call the game super ticky tack, and. These are it's going to be a rough grind out game, and they might have to finish with four on the court. Yeah, like it would not surprise me at this point. I mean, Duncan Demuth looks like a baby horse still trying to find right. his feet out there. Like he, he just he's he's a project. How many times are we going to see at the end of the game they're having to play finish the last two or three minutes of a game with Trey Reeves or Luke Majors because they just don't have anybody else? And if I'm an opposing team. What do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to attack and try and get that team in foul trouble. I'm, they're going to they're going to go at Oklahoma State and try and get Yorane in foul trouble and try and get Cameron Griffin foul trouble. Because if you do, I mean that's that's how you're going to win the game. Because at a certain point, they're not going to have anybody yeah. on the floor. Man, this is this I, completely threw a wrench into what was already going to be a terrible season and one that. We've talked about this isn't you know the end all be all of you know Oklahoma State is going to suck for years to come. But this sets back what was looking like what was going to be at least a decent, fairly quick rebuild. But now we are going to rely, not necessarily this year, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the future here, but next season, the extremely quick development of the Boone Twins and Avery Anderson and Marcus Watson to play significant minutes early. They already were. Those guys are going to play next year. But now they're going to need to play even more because... They scholarships are open, and unless Boynton gets a couple more guys, maybe a grad transfer here or there to add a little bit of experience to go along with the seniors, it's still going to be a young team next year. Extremely young. Before we talk about <clears throat> moving forward, I do want to say this. Boynton made the right move. Um, he absolutely did, especially based off of, of what all has gone down and what we know about what happened or 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 has been reported as to what happened. He made the right move. It wasn't an easy decision, but he made the right move. Um, and I and I really hope that this doesn't come back to bite him because we've seen too many times good men not keep a job because at the end of the day, it's about your record. And this is going to be a second straight year. This is going to be a year with a losing record. It's going to be a second straight season without an NCAA tournament bid. And I think it puts even more pressure on on next season. Now, this is Holder's guy. I think everyone in the in the athletic department believes that what Mike Boynton's doing is doing a good job. He's he's killing it on the recruiting trail. And and I and it's a hard time to hold this against him. But you've had to kick five guys off the team since you took over. Um you you've had a grad transfer point guard leave 
Um, some people are saying he got kicked off. I think it was a mutual. I think he just wasn't getting the minutes he wanted and he left. Let's be honest. Um, you had two guys leave early. I just, uh, Mike Boynton, I mean, literally since the day he got hired, it feels like he's been given the the short end of of everything. Your, your, your top assistant gets arrested by the FBI. You got to fire him. I mean, it's been a very, very rough go for Mike Boynton at Oklahoma State. Um, and I hope that the fan base and that Mike Holder and the athletic department stand by him while he makes the right decision, even though it may not, it's obviously not going to benefit them yeah, on the he court. He has been dealt an extremely tough hand since he was given the job. And I still believe he's the right guy for the job at Oklahoma State. And I respect the hell out of him for making the decision that he did. It is very easy for, especially we see it across the country where coaches kind of turn a blind eye to these things. And they let their players make mistakes, suspend them for a little bit, and then bring them back. But in this instance, he made a decision that he felt was best for the future of the program and what he is trying to build here. And if guys are going to be a detriment to that, then see, don't let the door hit you on the way out. And he has set that standard and that precedent since the time he became the Oklahoma State head coach. He has a set of standards and a set of rules, and he's getting his guys in there. And if you're not going to be, you know, it's him pretty much his way or the highway. And I respect that. And I think that he is making the right decision here. As tough as it is short-term, the long-term gains for what he is doing and getting the right guys in the program, getting high-character guys, hopefully into the program, kind of what we see with Mike Gundy, wanting the same high-character culture guys that he can build off of is what hopefully is the best for the future of the program. So talking about the future, this puts a lot of pressure on the 2019-2020 season, especially with the guys coming in. Um, You've got four talented kids coming in the Boone Twids, Watson, Anderson. Uh, and I, and I, we already knew they were going to have to play as true freshmen. Um, now they're not only going to need to play, they're going to have to produce for this team. They're going to have to be, you need at least two of those guys to be immediate impact players on this team. Um, and if you're, if you're really lucky, you, you, you hope it's, it's, uh, it's, it's Caleb Boone and Marcus and Marcus Watson. Like you really hope those are the two, the immediate impact guys, because those are the guys you really need to immediately come in and produce double digit points and, and shoot the ball. Well, um, the, uh, the other issue is going to be your expectations for next season. are going to have to kind of come back down a little bit more because while, because you don't know what next team, next year team could be. We don't know what these four guys coming in are. Um, I, Watson's the only one I actually thought could be a a three and done kind of guy. I feel like most of them are going to play four years, um, but you're going to need them to to be immediate impact players for this team, or it's going to be another season before we can even really talk about an NCAA tournament bid, and that's that's rough. Um, even with all the things going on, being a first time head coach, not making the tournament until you're four. That's that puts a lot of pressure on Boynton if 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 he can't make something happen next year yeah, with his team. A lot is riding on next season. Now the guys that he's bringing in, it's not like they're he's really taking flyers on them. These are very talented guys that are going to be be impactful at the division one level. So I know that the class that he's bringing in is very good. You don't get a top twenty class by accident, right? So well, you can, I guess, but I feel like he is bringing in the right guys to continue the direction of the program. But obviously, it's feels kind of like one step forward, two steps back at times. Either losing games they should win or 
having to dismiss guys or whatever the case may be. It's been a tough go at it for Mike Boynton, but the fact that the whole university is still behind him and not calling for his head right now, uh, I think that shows what he is building here. People believe in, and we can hope that moving forward, it continue. He continues to stay the course and keep moving in the right direction and setting a high standard for the program because that's what we want Oklahoma State basketball to be a high character, high standard program. Yeah. Now, um, assuming that Trey Reeves does not get a scholarship next year, um, Blind Point will have two scholarships to work with. And and no offense to Trey Reeves whatsoever, I think my Boynton needs to use those two scholarships Absolutely. to go get some guys. Um, I don't know how easy it's going to be to get a guy on the trans, grad transfer market because generally when you get a grad transfer guy, you're, look, you're getting somebody who either is going to a team that is going to make the tournament or you get a guy who's coming in to fill a role where he thinks he's going to start. I don't know that a starting role is immediately available next season because you are going to bring back likely McGriff, Waters, and, and Dezagua, and an A, uh, unless you bring in a, a center who immediately can start. Um, I have a hard time seeing getting a grad transfer. More likely what he's going to have to do is find another guy like Curtis Jones, find another mid-year transfer um, who will miss the non-conference, most of the non-conference, but be able to start at the end of the first semester. I think that's going to be his first target. Um, maybe another high school kid that, there's plenty of guys still out there, but can you find a guy? Is there a guy that you maybe stayed on or that you can jump on very quickly and try and lure here? Because you know this is so late in the process, that's going to be a difficult thing to do is go find a high school guy that you think can come in and immediately provide value because that's what you need. Um, you, you don't want another guy that's just a freshman that you're going to, it's going to take two or three years to get there. I mean, you you kill it kind of really kind of want a guy who's going to be able to offer you minutes in year one um, that can play next year. So that's going to be it'll be interesting to see what he does. Um, but if I had to guess, one of those is going to try and be a a mid year transfer, a la Curtis Jones. I think that would be. I think if he can find somebody like that, like a Curtis Jones who can come in and and immediately have an impact by end of November, early December, that would be huge for next year. Um, to, to go with the four guys incoming, I'd feel really, I'd feel a lot better than than we probably do now. I, I, I think I didn't even think about the mid year transfer thing. I think that'd be a great idea. There, we've seen success with that. Obviously, with Curtis Jones and Yanku, we've seen him get some good minutes last year as well. So he has had success with guys like that. So I'm sure that there would be, a, you know, a market for that. And we've seen him kind of get guys at the end of the recruiting class that have been missed by other people. Obviously, Isaac Likely was a commit to a Fresno State. And then decommitted. So he's yeah. found kind of diamonds in the rough, I guess, is the best way I can describe it. And you can see what how good Isaac Likely is for Oklahoma State. Now, obviously, it's hard to find an Isaac Likely type every single season. He has been able to do that. And I think that shows he's a good enough recruiter to go and find a guy that maybe some people missed on. And you can find that success right away. And so I wouldn't mind taking a fifth guy for the 2019 class as a freshman. If he feels that he can come in and have an impact right away, a la what Isaac Likely is doing right now for this team. Yeah, if you could find that. But I mean, even I don't think anybody thought Likely would be as as good as he is out of the gate. And I I, I would put money, even Boyton didn't expect him to, to be this good right. immediately. Um, so there's a gamble in that. And there's also the issue of is there a guy you can do that with who you've already been on, or do you have to start from the ground floor on someone? You know, that that's hard to do. That's hard to come in and be like, Hey, we weren't, we weren't really focusing on you. 
Um, now we'd really like to. That's that's tough to do, um, and it would be interesting to see if they can find somebody like that, a under the radar three star guy who can really really contribute right yeah, away. It's going to be an interesting next few months to see what Boynton's able to do on the recruiting trail and get people into the program once again. So we're kind of, I wouldn't say we're, I don't know where we're at right now. This is just a very, it's been a whirlwind of a day trying to cover all of this and try and, you know, get all the information that we can. I'm glad we were able to hop on and at least talk about it for a little bit. So let's change subjects for just a second. What are you up to this weekend? Let's try and talk about something a little bit happier, maybe. <laughs> uh Continuing to prep and hoping that the baby doesn't just come whenever. Like if she could hold off till like next Thursday, that would be great. Um, but we're pretty much operating under the impression she'll be here um, All right. any day now. Congratulations to you, Nancy Man. Um, I will be spending my weekend uh, probably doing nothing. It's a three-day weekend. So I know on Sunday I will be watching the Chiefs-Patriots game. Uh, I will be cheering loudly if anyone can hear me. It's probably coming from Arrowhead Drive in Stillwater. Um, fitting arrowhead nice i didn't even think about that cool um but i'm hoping that i can watch the chiefs get to the super bowl and the patriots dynasty and there will be a patrick mahomes jersey bought if that is the case i don't need to see that nobody outside of new england wants to see the patriots in the super bowl if you live in new england you're a patriots fan if you live everywhere else you're rooting for the chiefs and i'm good with that i also saw it's interesting i guess there is a a blood moon lunar eclipse that's going to hit right around Kansas. That's going to happen right around Kansas city in the fourth quarter of the game. So it is meant to be, everything is coming up Kansas city. So I am, uh, I am banking on a chief's win here and it's not going to be as cold as everyone is thinking. Apparently Colin Coward thinks that because it's cold, Chiefs fans won't uh, cheer. Uh, Dude, it's the loudest stadium in the world. (laughs) Like uh, good stuff. Good stuff. I just I needed to talk about something a little bit different because I was just getting sad. I was like, man, if Mike Gundy retires today, I might just like just stop covering Oklahoma State sports because this has been the worst day. <laughs> Jalen Hurts to OU, three guys kick off the team. Mike Gundy retires. <laughs> it's been a it's been a it's been a very interesting week, yeah. and we're just three days into it. Well, it's so. almost Friday, and we can hope that the news cycle gets a lot slower for us for our sake. I guess. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, All right, I think we'll wrap up there. Um, well, we, like I said, we, we're going to try and get wrestling on at the end of the weekend. Um, we'll record Sunday, hopefully before the Chiefs game, because I don't know if I will be in a good state to uh, want to talk about anything else besides watching the Chiefs game. Um, but hopefully we'll be able to talk a little bit of wrestling. I think there's a top five ma- another top five match for Dayton Fix this weekend, so I know Brandon will want to come on and talk about that, and we'll talk about the match that happened uh, against Rutgers on Sunday. We'll need to recap that one because there was a lot that went into that one. But Philip, where can everyone follow you on Twitter? <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, you can follow me personally at OKTXAR Poke. Um, I got a poll on there right now for fun um, as to who uh, should be this year's Adarius Bowman. And for you youngsters who don't remember, Adarius Bowman was an Oklahoma State wide receiver who jumped on the basketball team because they just needed some depth. Um, I think he played in like five games. He didn't do much. But I have a poll on my Twitter account. Uh, trying to figure out who you guys think should be this year's Adarius Bowman so that they have another body on the court. Uh, go check that out. Is, uh, Shane Richards for anyone that uh, wants to go on the podcast because maybe he can make a layup. Who knows? He's 6'8", and no one's picture. He's 6'8". Just stick him under the exactly. basket. Now, like I said, maybe he can make a layup. That would be kind of nice. Uh, you can follow It'd be nice no to kidding. see someone you can follow it. me at JT Penfield. Be sure to follow the main site at Cowboys RFF. We have a lot of 
stuff on after the last few days of what's been going on. So be sure to check that out, and we'll have more coming up later this week. Also, a guy just posted in our Slack that Texas has three quarterbacks that just hit the transfer portal. That's interesting. This is the this yeah. is football now, man. Fascinating. Yeah, I just saw that come across, and I figured I would get that out here. But uh, be, we will uh, be back on Sunday. Hopefully, we can actually talk about some wrestling, and hopefully no crazy news happens in between now and then. We can cross our fingers and hope for that. And uh, to everyone that has uh, sat here and listened to us ramble for about 40 minutes now, we appreciate it. And have a good one, everybody.